I hate to break it to you, your life doesn't matter. Or that's what my co-host Mike Morton of Morton Financial Advice says. This is financial life planning. I'm Matt Robeson, your other co-host, the other other white meat. And Mike, you are a stone cold bummer today. What do you mean the topic of today's show is your life doesn't matter? Screw you, your life doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what's cool? I get to be the co-host today. I'm not even the guest of a co-host. You know what this I did? Awesome. I promoted you. <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am the guest host on your show and I figured you it's you've been working hard. I think you've been putting in a lot of good effort. You show a lot of potential at this what do we call this? Enterprise, whatever. Good for you. All right. Wow. You, and you started out on your relationship by telling me, "Hey Matt, your life doesn't matter." Can I ask on behalf of all of our <laughs> listeners what you mean cuz surely you're not speaking about their lives? No, 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 of course not. Everybody matters. <laughs> this was something that came up in a couple of different contexts for me recently. A couple of different podcasts kind of popped this up and your life doesn't matter. It's the idea that, and we'll get into it a little bit, it's the idea that in the span of history, in the span of evolution, uh, we're a tiny speck in the middle of nowhere doing our little thing and the universe doesn't care. And when you start thinking in that context, at first, you you might shrug your shoulders and say, oh, then I'll just give up. But the other way of looking at it is... Now let's talk about health wait, savings accounts. That's right. That will switch to HSS. The other way of looking at it is that it frees you up to, to think, you know what? I, can I should really pursue what I'm most interested in and most interested in doing because at the end of the day, at the very end, it really doesn't matter. That is comforting. I look, I do think you're onto something. First of all, it, it, disclaimer for all of our viewers and listeners, this is clearly the life part of financial life planning. I get the sense. We try to do these topics where I don't know what's coming because we, it's just more fun that way. So I'm going to go ahead and guess that this one is really not about how to set up an HSA. This really is yeah, much yeah, more this is, we, we'll the technical some, te some technical know-how here at the end. No, no, this, so kind of, this is definitely more in the life side. I like this, though. I like this. And I all tongue-in-cheek, joking aside about, mm -hmm. wow, we're really bumming people out here. I, there's a very Buddhist notion to this. It's interesting. I was reading now. This is like a humble brag. I was at a salon reading Wittgenstein or whatever. I was reading Sapiens by Yuval Harari, which is an amazing book. And he points out that one of the differences, one of the philosophical differences between Eastern and Western philosophy, I promise I'm going somewhere with this, is that essentially Western philosophy has been overtaken by a capitalist view. I'm a capitalist, by the way. Yay, capitalism. But it very much is about the you become happier when you get more. And the Eastern philosophy is very much infused by Buddhism, which is you become happy when you want less. And so it sounds to me like what you're saying, the insight that you got here is, hey, you know what? Letting go of the idea that what you accumulate and like what you do in a material sense matters, letting go of that is actually very freeing and could make you happier. Yeah, there's a couple of different things I want to get to, but let's riff on that for a sec because that's the happiness equation that we brought up before. It's the number of things you have divided by the number of things that you want. Right. Right? And so you can manipulate either the numerator or what you're saying, Matt, is the denominator. If I want a few less things, then I'm going to feel happier in my life. The other thing that you brought up for me, it reminded me the art 
between Eastern and Western. I heard this also that Western art adds, it's like adding more to the artwork. Whereas Eastern philosophy is taking away, like the statue's already there. Right. I just have to remove what's not part of it. The bonsai so the tree or, or the Zen garden, like from that documentary, The Karate Kid. Is, are you, <laughs> do you have in the back of your mind though, when you do the life part of this and, and when we talk about this topic, does this come up in your financial planning? I, I imagine it does. I imagine that when you talk to your clients, you always start off, I think, with this question of what matters to you? What is it you want more of? And we've done so many episodes about your time, experiences with your family. Do you get into this kind of a level of philosophical discussion or do you kind of, people aren't really there for the philosophy, but you kind of deal it from the bottom of the deck? Yeah, it's a good question. I go straight, we go straight into it right away, Matt. So most financial advisors, financial planners would start with, hey, Matt, glad we're doing this together. What are your goals? Yeah, yeah. All right. And then you're like, oh, I'd like to retire and play more golf and see my kids get into college and then I'll pay for their college. And those are my goals. And I do it differently where I come in and say, I could ask you about your goals, but really, Matt, I'm interested in how you want to live your life. So tell me about how you want to live, what, what you want to spend your time and energy doing. And then I have a particular process we go through with some exercises that really tease that out. And we spend multiple meetings. I don't want to make this about my process, but we spend multiple meetings with my clients mm. going through this topic. So not just, hey, Matt, welcome. What are your goals? Cool. Got it. Now let's get in the details of your investments and accounts and start manipulating stuff. No, we spend multiple meetings and some exercises really teasing out your life plan. And then we match up using your resources to accomplish that life. It reminds me a lot of a book. It's a 2004 book called High and Mighty, The Dangerous Rise of the SUV. And they talk about a marketing guru who was well known in the auto industry for designing cars that people just intrinsically wanted. And he does a lot of the kind of the surface thing, which reminds me of what you were talking about, kind of like the standard process of what are your goals? You want to buy a car. Very well. Let's start a savings plan. And any good chatbot could do that for you. But And he has a similar process in trying to figure out how do I sell people a car? So what he does is he does a focus group. And he gets all the results from the focus group and he throws them out. He does not give a shit. <laughs> okay. And then there's a second level beyond that, which is like the dial testing when like people's self-reported intrinsic experience. And he pretty much throws that out too. And what he really is looking for is like their basal lizard brain reaction to images of cars. And he tries to come up with things that appeal to primal deep-seated instincts. So he tries to make cars look like leopards or, and, and, he, and, that, and that's his whole, that's his whole technique. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I'm not saying you're manipulating your clients, but I think in a kind of a positive way, it sounds like you're doing something similar, which is rather than start from the surface level, how much money do you make? How much you really try and get at what really makes you happy? And I, again, it, that, that makes some sense to me that if you can move beyond the glib answers that we tend to give, you might actually unlock something that can make you happier. Here's what's funny about what you just said, Matt. Is that it's I exactly remember right. books from yeah. 2004 about the SUV industry, and I somehow worked them into this show because, again, <laughs> I'm humble bragging about the books I've read. Boy, I'm really no, pretty I, douchey. I <laughs> That's right. I was thinking about how 
you do take up a lot of brain space with random information. That's my joke. thing. That's my entire brain. <laughs> I, That's, I have that on my business card. It's like random things in my brain for you. <laughs> That's right. Here's what I was going to say. Like that guy, right? The SUV. He First, the focus group, it's thinking, oh, here's what I think I want. Same with your financial goals. I think I want right. a better car. I think I want my, you know, a job to make this amount of money. I think I want to retire at 62, you know, but really what I try to get to is the feeling, mm. all right? What is it? What, when you do an activity, how does that make you feel? Does that energize you? Does that, do you want to do, do more of that? And we do a lot of stuff too around, let's get back to the topic today, oh. regrets. Okay, we do a lot of things around, hey, if this was your last day, what would you regret? And that gets to the feeling like, well, don't, man, say the show. don't say the show, <laughs> don't say the show, <laughs> don't say the show. <laughs> Our listeners are like, I regret hitting play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So minutes. what would you regret? That's it. And what you're saying is, okay, then don't do that or fix that. Or fix that. So the power of regret. So let's get to this. I was listening to a podcast. We'll put in the, the show notes, Peter Atia. Mm. But this is this is a bunch of books, a bunch of research on what do people regret? The end of their life. What do people say at the end of their life and regret? And we all know, hey, I shouldn't have worked so much. I should have spent more, you know, not so much time in the office, more time with my family. That's a thinking answer and a glib answer and true. Not that it's untrue. But what people really regret is not taking a chance the fear stopped them from pursuing their something that they wanted to, maybe a love that they had, maybe something in the world they wanted to do, a passion that they wanted to pursue. And they're like, nah, I can't do that because A, B, C, D, E. I got all these reasons. I can't possibly do that. That's what people regret. The fear they had as they went through life and not pursuing what they're really passionate, that feeling, what I really want to spend more time doing. Why did I not follow that? Why did I not do that? That's what people regret. And to get it, bring it back, that's why I'm saying your life doesn't matter. So go ahead and pursue what you want to pursue in the context of your family and your life and everything else. I get it. There's real stuff here. But don't reach the end and regret a fear holding you back from something that you really feel passionate about pursuing. That's interesting. I It reminds me of the man who invented behavioral economics, Daniel Kahneman. And you can find this on YouTube. He gave a TED Talk, of all things. And he explained the two brain systems we use. There's the think, it's what he calls thinking fast versus thinking slow. And he uses an example of we, we have this experiential life where we're doing things that we get something from. You go on an awesome vacation. I think the example he uses is he went to Antarctica. And if I'm wrong about that and it was a different part of the world, I apologize. I actually invited Daniel Kahneman. It was like a boon. I invited him onto my show and I was just like, look, this is my moonshot, so why not? He actually wrote back to me or he had a very clever assistant write back to me and say, sorry, Matt, I am old and oversubscribed. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Fair enough, man. You are at an advanced age and you've earned the right to not go on a podcast. But he talks about this experience of he had this amazing trip. I think it was Antarctica. And then he asked the question, but now how often do I consume that memory? Like, how much do I pull it out of my mental filing cabinet and relive that and get continuing joy from that? And it's a very interesting distinction. When I worked on Capitol Hill, I was able to get good tickets 
as most staffers were, I wasn't super special, mm -hmm. for President Obama's inauguration in 2009. And my wife and I were like, oh, well, we got to go to this. This is super historic. It was also about five below that day. And we realized, you know what? This is the kind of thing you want to have gone to. Not something that I want to experience. It's the kind of thing that later I do want to pull out of the mental filing cabinet versus something I want to endure over the next six hours uh, as my extremities slowly fall off. So I just, I think it's, it's an interesting wrinkle as you think to yourself, okay, what would I regret not having done? And it's, it's worth bearing in mind. What are the things that give me joy in the moment? Versus what are the things that I just want to have done because they give me a sense of fulfillment, that they're things that I have undertaken, that I tried, that I might consume as, as a bucket list or something like that. Do you find that kind of distinction helpful to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's one of the questions that I used during that process I was referencing before, which is if this was your last day, what would you regret? Mm. And those are the things that come up, Matt. It's not like a specific trip. People are usually like, I did want to go to Rome, but it's not, I don't really regret not getting there. What people regret is something like, I never wrote that book. Mm. Like I always wanted to write this book, but I just never did. Cause you know, it's a lot of work and effort. It's like going and sitting outside for five hours and freezing. It's I don't really want to put in the effort. But then when you think about it, you're like, I regret I didn't do that. I regret not writing down all the memories for my kids. I regret not writing a whole bunch of stuff, making that scrapbook for my kids mm. as they grow up from zero to 18. I regret I never put all that stuff together oh, for them. Oh, thanks for that. Um. Now I regret it too. <laughs> so it's those, I think you're right, Matt. It's those kinds of things that are bigger. They take a little more effort, but it's what you really feel like, man, I wanna get started on that because that's, I've now realized that is important to me and it's gonna take some work and effort. I'll also point to, I've been thinking about this recently, like family trips, when yeah. you mentioned the, the experience. I've got a bunch of, every decade or so we've done something, I have a big extended family and every decade or so we've done like a massive trip with all my cousins and second cousins, like 20, 30, 40, 50 people. And of course we bring it up, right? And then I see these people every year or so, different family events, some of them, right? And it's always, oh, remember that trip we did? Oh yeah, it was really cool, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking about my kids haven't really been on one of these right. like big massive things. And I was like, wait a sec, yeah, that's the kind of once a decade kind of thing that I would regret not doing with them so that we can keep bringing it up every year with the, the group, with the family and, and re reliving, remembering what was so great about that time together. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. Well, and not that I'm determined to drag this back to a financial planning context, but I find that distinction, that thinking fast, thinking slow, is it something you want to experience or is it something you want to have experienced? I find the distinction helpful. For example, several years ago, my wife and I were considering expanding our kitchen in our house was very small and it, had, it was just terribly designed, terribly laid out. And we were constantly... My wife and I are not dancers, and we were constantly doing the tango, and in some cases, the lambada. There was just not a lot of room, okay? And 
but it was a major financial commitment. And I was like doing all the Mike Morton, like standard financial practice, like best practices of, oh man, there's a lot of money. If we saved it, here's how much it would grow to in college and et cetera. And my wife made the very intelligent observation, like, look, we spend a shocking percentage of our waking lives in the kitchen. This is an investment in every day. Our experience will be much better. And forget the like big family gathering, like we host a Thanksgiving with 42 people every year. That's great. That's one use case, but it's just the every day our experience will be so much better. And you know what? We did it and she was right. And that's a great example. As of, always. Yeah, as always. And I will never, it, it's not like an epic family trip like you're talking about. But every day, I think my experience is a little bit better. Thinking in those terms of what will enhance my everyday experience and like the enjoyment that I get because I cook almost every day and I spend time with the kids in the kitchen. My wife and I clean up together in the kitchen. Like that experience is so much better versus one of these, I think a lot about the movie Inside Out, the Pixar movie, which they used uh, neuroscientist insights on building that internal world and, and how it works. And I think about core memories. And what you're talking about with these massive family trips is the bucket list items, the kinds of memories that you build that you might pull out of that mental filing cabinet and consume in Kahneman's lingo from mm -hmm. time to time. Every time you set up and you say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this big trip, this big experience. It's an opportunity to create a core memory that will drive you far into the future, that could be a core memory for your kids. And you think about those foundational memories that really guide you and that are like, when you think of your childhood, what do you think of? You think of these kind of core experiences, not like your day-to-day -day of like, oh, I went to school on Wednesday the 27th. So I think both things, both modes of thinking I find informative and helpful as I try to consider how I invest my time and my resources. Man, you brought up so many different thoughts for me around that. I know. There was a the lot financial. of crap in there. <laughs> it was a, yeah, there's a lot of crap. You, you scrambled my brain, Matt. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. On the financial front, I find a lot of clients, I don't want to be glib about it, but I find a lot of clients are saving for the future, which is great. Save for the future. We need to do that. But it, almost at the expense of some things today. Mm. And so to your point, like that kitchen renovation, how great it makes you feel. And trust me, you're going to work it out in the long run. So really think hard about those things when it comes to, should I make this investment in a patio or an outdoor fireplace where we're going to just have a more enjoyment every single day? That's a big deal. When you mentioned the comment of like growing up, what do you remember? I remember that we took trips all the time. That's what I remember. I remember the first 20 years of my life was like, we took trips, man. We went everywhere. We went to Texas on a road trip. I went to Scotland because I've got family there. We went to Australia for a year. I just remember trips all the time. You know what the reality is, Matt? It was like every five years, we wow. might go on like a trip. We did one big road trip to Texas. That's interesting. I went to Scotland maybe twice in 18 years. And we did live in Australia for a year when I was growing up. But we took lots of like little trips, lots of camping trips down to the beach, stuff like that. I remember we took trips all the time. We traveled all the time. I saw so many states or whatever. And I got on planes and went international. But it was like every five years. So it doesn't take a lot to build those core memories is my point, okay? And the third thing that I'm gonna give the listeners is 
it's not the you when you say bucket list I feel like people have a mental picture of these big items. Oh, I always wanted to go see the Colosseum in Rome. Like I got to go go see that thing or take my kids to Italy or whatever it is, like some big trip, you know what I mean? But that's not what you really want. Really sit down and think about what it is that you want. And for me, I told you I have trips with my family and they're massive trips and they were great and we did a lot of cool stuff. But what did I say about it? 30, 40 or 50 people with the family and I love sitting around bringing up those memories, just sitting around with family, okay? So it doesn't have to be a very expensive thing. Think about what it is you really want. I love to spend time at the beach with my kids. It doesn't mean you need to own a beach house. It means you need to spend time at the beach with your kids. I want to spend time in wilderness or seeing some cool things, building some core memories, seeing some cool things. Does it need to be overseas in a plane trip? What about a road trip? you're going to build that same kind of memory. So when it comes to the finances, it doesn't have to be big or extravagant. I think what people really want, what they feel they want is building those experiences with the friends, family and connections. Mm. I, 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 yeah, I completely agree, obviously. And it, I don't know, I'm at the risk of kind of continually dragging because back to the financial planning side of this, ultimately, this entire topic, and it, it truly is not meant to like depress or diss ourselves or our listeners, this idea of your life doesn't matter. It, it really is meant to, maybe it should be rephrased as, what do you want to remember? What do you want to be remembered? I, I just attended a, a funeral for a dear uncle, and that really puts things in perspective. And the way he was remembered and the way I remember him comes from just a lot of interactions, experiences, the things he did, the way he interacted with other people. And it was not really about his law practice. It wasn't about his professional accomplishments. And those are wonderful things. Very few people get remembered in history, and I'm not sure that it's necessarily something to shoot for. You have a 50-50 shot of being infamous <laughs> versus being famous. And so to me, it just struck me that this was someone, this shut down multiple towns outside of New York City, his funeral. They shut down multiple towns because he was so beloved in his community, and he had been a judge, and the police knew him, and they shut down a major highway Okay, they literally blocked traffic off a highway for the funeral procession to move from town to town. This was someone who had that kind of an impact. And it just struck me, this is someone who was a rich man. He had such rich experiences. And so anyway, now we truly have become depressing, but I don't mean to. I don't mean to. It's, I think what you're bringing up is a very important distinction. And it's so easy for people who regularly listen to this show because they do like the mechanics of how mm -hmm. I'm going to do a backdoor Roth. And ultimately, what's it for? It's so that you have the resources to have the experiences that you want to have. And so I think just bearing in mind, okay, what are those things? Let's not put the cart before the horse. And also let's think about the distinction between the day-to-day -day experiences and those long-term consumable core memory opportunities and planning for both because they're both part of what leads to a rich life. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that story, Matt. And it reminds me, one of the things I've been working on recently is thinking about what do I want to be remembered for? What kind of person do I really want to be? And how do I set up my environment to be more that person? That would be a whole other episode, but just that thought of, I want to write down five, 10, 20 things that I want to be remembered for the person. Not, it doesn't have to be big and grandiose, but what kind of person do I want to be? And how am I going to spend my time being more of that? Now, I'll leave the listeners with this final thought. I told you, man, you just mentioned it. Failure is guaranteed. We are all going to reach the end of our life, okay? And at the end of our life, if you want to call it failure, like we're going to not be here anymore, okay? So don't be so hard on yourself. The pressure's off. You're going to not be, you're going to die at some point and not be around. So the pressure's off for all the things you think are so important from your job or your career or making money or buying this thing. No, man, the pressure's off. It's no big deal, okay? Live life the way that you want to live it. The only thing to take seriously is your time. Take your time very seriously because that's the limited resource. So take that seriously, but don't be so hard on yourself. Do the things that you're so passionate about, giving back to this world and being the person that you really want to be. A very eloquent note to end a really surprisingly profound show from my co-host, Mike Morton. All right. For Mike, I'm Matt Robeson. We will see you next time. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.